Hello and welcome to the Cyphers Theatre Podcast. This is a podcast for university students and recent graduates who are interested in pursuing a career in theatre. My name is Marcus Baisley, co-founder and co-artistic director of Cyphers. And I'm Will Hollyhead, one of the other co-artistic directors. And this week we had a talk with Hannah Gillett, um, who's a stage manager. She studied linguistics at UCL, then spent a while kind of dipping her toes in various aspects of theatre before going on to train in stage and event management at the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama. And as I say, she now works as a freelance stage manager and she's worked with all sorts of cool venues and companies, including Rambert, which is a dance company, um, and the Donmar Warehouse. So I hope that you find the track interesting and useful. We certainly did. Hope you enjoy. Hello, Hannah. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. How, how are you? What have you been up to? Uh, I'm all right. I have been uh, well, doing a lot of crafting um, and I've just come off a, a project for a dance company for, for digital release. So I've been in rehearsals for the last sort of 10 weeks with that came off last week and I'm enjoying my sort of back to lockdown life a little bit. Oh, you're enjoying it. Well, it's been a while. Good for you. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you have been you have been in rehearsals for ten weeks, so you probably deserve yeah. a bit of lockdown. <laughs> so, actually, that, we should, maybe we should maybe we should introduce that after a long rehearsal period. We all go into compulsory lockdown for a couple of weeks just to recover. I think it's healthy. I think it's good for you. <laughs> so we're gonna look at look at your journey to where you are now, and and what what can mm. we learn from that? And I want to start as we have with everyone by actually going back before university and saying is was there a career in theatre in your mind at all before you went to university a a career probably not from from the age of about 14 15 I was very passionately into dance and so I spent a lot of my sort of extracurricular time outside of school dancing um and I think early stages that was a kind of pipe dream career but very quickly I thought oh no don't want to don't want to be a performer so um, theatre in various forms has always been a part of my existence, but career-wise, absolutely not, not even a little bit um, was it ever a, a serious aspiration uh, until after university, I think. <laughs> so university was just, you just went to university for university's sake and... Yeah, yeah, very much so. I had zero clue what I wanted to do when I went to university, like like none at all. Um, and so I went, <laughs> went and did my linguistics degree at UCL uh, because I thought it looked quite interesting. Um, and like literally no other reason. Um, and, and then very quickly got involved with UCL theatre in all its various guises um, in, an, in an extracurricular manner, as I had always done. Mm. Um, and started, you know, carried on dancing in musicals and then sort of got slightly more involved in other aspects of the theatre and kind of realised that that existed. And then it wasn't until kind of the end of my university experience that I thought, oh, could I, can this be a, a job? Mm. Uh, like, can, can I do that? And I was so clueless as to the machine that I just sort of... I think I just went, yeah, well, I'll give it a bash and see what happens. And then... <laughs> through 
giving it a bash, I, it kind of eventually turned into the job that I have now as a stage manager, which is very different to where I thought I was going to end up. So it's been a it's been a meandering journey, for sure. <laughs> what was your um, beyond an interesting linguistics degree? What was your kind of theatre experience? at university were you just doing one thing were you dipping your toe in lots of waters um I I had a finger in literally every pie um I started (laughs) off so I started off uh you know like fresh this week I went and auditioned to go and be a dancer in some of the musicals and got cast in a bunch of stuff and uh then inevitably made all my friends there and and uh as yeah as that progressed so then I sort of thought, oh, maybe I'd do a bit of choreography for a musical. And, oh, that was a bit fun. And then I sort of, through someone else, uh, they then went, oh, you know, do you want to assistant direct a musical? And I went, oh, OK, yeah, that sounds a bit fun. And then got chatting to some producers and thought, oh, that looks really cool. And then did a bit of, like, movement direction for plays. And, like, I did, pff, did a bit of design work. I did some kind of puppet making. Like, it was... I really didn't turn anything down at all um and because I think I was so unaware of what I wanted to do and I'd done nothing but perform up until that point and and performing dance as well like I'd never sung I'd never acted I'd never done any anything else um and so any time an opportunity was presented I thought oh that looks really exciting um because I think as well the kind of joy of of university theatre and I'll keep saying this is that the stakes are really low when you're you know the risk is so low all you're giving up is your personal time if you don't like it you also don't really have to um you know nobody's expecting you to create anything great or wonderful no one's investing a huge amount of money that they don't have um it's just it's passion project after passion project and so um it was a really great place to go and explore what it was that I wanted to do because as soon as I got out of the kind of straight dance performing ideology the whole world of theatre opened up and it all looked so exciting and I just wanted to do everything (laughs) (laughs) and some stuff I was not good at uh, and other stuff has now sort of become my job so I I guess it was sort of all right at but it's a really great what you say about the stakes being low is really great because I think when you're in that environment the stakes don't necessarily feel low no not at all it's it's interesting because I remember I I mean I sort of got a little bit involved with UCL theatre which Mm. I don't know if I'm allowed to say as a King's graduate I'll get (laughs) Um, but I shouldn't be talking to you at all but there we are <laughs> it was it ditto. It was interesting <laughs> <laughs> that my experience of sort of uh, hopping the fence, as it were, over to UCL temporarily was that the setup there was much more kind of organised, and there were way more opportunities. Oh yeah, certainly from my time, but there were way That's more opportunities. You were doing stuff like every week. There was stuff happening, and oh for at, sure at, at Kings there was very little in terms of. Uh, you know, you said about being like a movement director or assisting on, we didn't really have assistant yeah. directors or movement directors or any of that. So it's quite interesting, that experience that UCL kind of really embraces. Yeah, I mean, it's, in, it's, in, it's an, in, well, we were incredibly lucky to have the resources that we did and to have so much different established theatre. And what's so nice is that, certainly when I was there, 
there was a huge crossover between art societies. Uh, we kind of had like an umbrella arts organisation arts organization that, that oversaw a bit of everything. I think it was called Culture Club, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and so they really encouraged like integration between art societies as well, between live music and uh, musical theatre and drama. And we had a stage crew society, which is the only reason that we could ever put on any work. Um, you know, they really encouraged that collaborative uh, ethos, um, which is how it, you know, we, I was presented with so many opportunities to, to do all of these things. Um, and I, I think I sometimes take for granted how strong UCL was in its arts. Mm. Um, and, I, and I have no doubt that had I gone to a university that didn't have a strong arts core, my life could have panned out very differently. I think the other thing I'd say from that that's quite interesting is, I mean, apart from sheer chance of where you end up when, but if you are interested in doing more stuff, just ask people and do stuff. Because like, no one's yeah. going to turn around and say, oh, no, I don't want an assistant director on this. Yeah, uh, That for would sure. be mad. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, that was how I first started producing, which was sort of my gateway drug to stage management, um, was someone turned around and said oh you know I I want someone to do movement on this show but there's not really much movement where you sort of assistant direct it because I can't really just give you movement because there's just one scene that I want your support in and I went yeah but but then I really like your producer that you've got she's really great um and I think what she does looks really fun can I be her assistant and they went oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah please can you go stand on the quad and flyer for us like it was so it was just a case of me going, oh, that looks really fun. Um, like a show that we ended up taking to Edinburgh, a puppetry show. I'd never done any design work before. I'd never done any making work before. And someone that had worked on another show that I'd done was designing and, and put out and said, hello, uh, I'm looking for an assistant because I've got lots of things to make and I don't know how to do things. And I sort of messaged her and went, I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I just, got a glue gun like can, can I help <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and that's you know, where the spent... seeds of stage management were sown <laughs> genuinely genuinely what happened uh she gave me a pile of cardboard that she found on the street and went can you just cut some stuff out and glue it together and I thought yeah I can do this yeah like uh, this is a bit of me um so, so you are know. you are you glad it sounds like you are but are you glad you went to university yeah, uh, it's it's a very strange feeling because I'm, I have zero recollection of my degree. I have zero recollection of anything at university beyond the theatre that I did. Um, I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunities that it gave me. I think partly because my journey to to making a career of making theatre is is one that I don't think I would have been confident enough to even consider had I not had that experience of having the facility to put myself out there um, with no major repercussions and just try stuff out and see if it worked. Um, And I'm, yeah, I'm eternally grateful for that more than anything else, Um, you know, degree aside. Uh, It was, yeah, it was a really extraordinary experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds, I, I just love how much you were just like, I'm just going to try everything. That's just, 
<laughs> just incredibly cavalier. This is a running theme in my life. Like, I'm just incredibly cavalier about taking opportunities. And <laughs> if it's there, I'll give it a go. Say yes and work out how to do it later. Yeah, I'm not... A, I'm, I'm, I, I pride myself on just giving stuff a go. What else can you do? So then coming out of university, you... It, sort of producing seemed to be kind of in your head as a possibility and... So what, where yeah. where were you at coming out and, and what was your kind of plan? Okay, um, pff, plan. <laughs> it's laughable. <laughs> uh, so I had uh, I had a summer of doing a bunch of shows and we took, a sh- you know, I was assistant designed the show that, t- that we took to Edinburgh and I made a, f- I produced a film, a short film through university students. Again, just why not? And it was, you know, my last summer hurrah. I thought, I'll just do everything. Uh, I'd had zero plan of what I was going to pursue for work. Like, I had none plans at all. Um, so much so that I, uh, you know, bumped into a colleague on, or an ex-UCL uh, student, drama student on the street who gave me a job in a bar because I didn't have a job. Like, it was, it was bananas. Um, but I was desperate to stay in town because I did not want to move back to Milton Keynes. Uh, to live with my family so I just kind of took a bunch of different jobs and and yes uh, producing was I think the closest approximation in my head to something that I thought might eventually potentially be a job that's uh, and the vagueness of that statement roughly translates into how I was feeling at the time um I looked at I, I think by so the by this point I think I had started to come to terms with the fact that actually I could make a living in theatre or that or, or arts could be a route down which I took because I think I had been up till that point it was so extracurricular for me it was so in addition to everything that I was doing that it making a, a career out of working in the arts hadn't quite felt just like a like a reasonable or feasible option like it had never really occurred to me that it would ever be a job uh, and then I sort of stumbled into producing at university, which, as it turns out, is very different to producing in real life, but that's a thing that we can cover later. Um, and uh, so I, so I kind of stumbled into that, and we took a show to NSDF that summer that I'd produced, um, and I met some amazing sort of people there um, who were in the industry already. And, and so I think the part of the thing with producing was that it felt like the closest thing to a sort of air quotes proper job um, that had mm. just, for some reason, I just decided that that was sort of important to get a proper grown-up job. And so I think that's how that interest started. Yeah, there's something about the fact that we often feel like it's not a job, particularly in our culture, I think, it's not a job unless it's sort of hard work. Yeah. Oh, or, for sure. Or not, not something that comes easily to you or naturally to you. I think more than that for me, it was the idea of it being the business side of it meant that it was, you know, the money side and the business side and the logistics <laughs> side of it meant that it was a grown-up job. Um, mm. Because I'd always done it on top of, you know, on top of school, on top of university, on top of my studies, it had never occurred to me that those things were also very legitimate ways to spend your time because as far as I, I was concerned, they were hobbies. Hobbies are different to work. Um, <laughs> but producing almost felt like work because there were spreadsheets involved. Um, so yeah. it, was, it was like a job with a capital J. Um, yeah. 
so that I think was pretty much just the the only thing that had really stuck in my head about that. Um, and I had enjoyed doing it at university, um, and and I was applying to arts admin jobs and stuff like that as well. So none of which came through. Um, you know, applying to do that sort of side and outreach and education and all that kind of side of the the business and, and the, the office side of theatre basically was was where I think I was looking accidentally when I started. So when when did you feel like? Uh, I suppose that that sense that other stuff could be an actual job. When did that start to kind of creep in, and, and how did you pursue that? Uh, oh, so this is an interesting one. Uh, so my first kind of stuff out of university that was theatre based was with Cyphers, and I came and did some producing with you, uh, which I loved, and I thought it was great. And then uh, I slightly mysteriously managed to wrangle a job at Sonia Friedman. Um, (laughs) as you do it was so peculiar it was honestly the most peculiar thing that had happened it was through a producer that I'd met at NSDF who I'd given my CV to you know in the way that you do Uh, and you know six months a year later I think something like that like it was really silly she'd clearly just filed my CV and I got she she wasn't even working at SFP at that point anymore and I got an email from them going oh your CV's on file we need a bunch of runners for a show uh, for a press night, you know, and it turned out to be Harry Potter. Uh, and so I went and <laughs> it was a press night run of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which just, like, was the sweatiest experience of my life. I was so stressed for all of it. Uh, and all I was doing was handing out tickets just around London to all the people. Like, it was, it was, I was just hand-delivering tickets for peanuts, and I got to go and see the show, and it was the greatest experience of my life. Uh, but I was so super lucky that I ended up there at a time when they were taking on lots and lots of new work. So, you know, they were opening Potter and Dreamgirls as well as, like, you know, all of these hundreds of small plays. That, well, I, say, <laughs> I say small plays, but short run plays um, that, that she makes. And so um, in that transitional period, they were upsizing their office, but I think slightly, de- you know, not in advance of the new work. So they were playing catch up a little bit and, and I just happened to have been there and been in, incredibly enthusiastic and they went, oh, you know, can you come and man the phones and tidy up the office and take the dogs out for a walk and buy people coffee? And I thought, great. Um, and I ended up doing that for nearly a year um, through absolutely no... It was just like the weirdest coincidence. Um, again, a running theme um, in, in this whole tale of, of my life thus far. Um, so, yeah, another just really incredibly lucky situation where I went, yeah, sure, I don't have anything to do. At one point, I, I quit my bar job to do it. Uh, or, I, yeah, I was working somewhere else, but I don't really remember. Um, but, yeah, I literally just dropped a job and went and did that. I just quit everything um, because none of it felt particularly important, and that one did, so that's what I did. Uh, and so that's where, where I sort of ended up really starting to understand what producing in the commercial sense meant, um, which was very different to producing at university. Mm. Um, But amazing to see how, you know, how the machine works, how the project is made, and, like, a really invaluable insight into what that side of it takes. And it turned out that I didn't like it. 
But I think that's um, quite interesting and actually like commendable actually in a way because I think many people if they got you know they suddenly found themselves working for Sonia Friedman might kind of go oh god I better I'm on this road now I better keep going down it and not get off for love nor money because this is such (laughs) a I'm at the top of this game so actually I think it's kind of it takes a, a quality to be able to go as good on paper as this is this ain't for me I don't like spreadsheets quite this much I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't say that so much as I yeah I look I looked up the tree because you know you know it might have been working in working for Sonia Friedman capital S capital F but I was very much at the bottom of the tree like I was right on the you know I was on the sole of everybody else's shoes like that's I was I was doing that job um, so the, the sheen wears off slightly in that respect. Um, but more than that, I was again lucky that the, the job that I had meant that I was running a lot, like not physically running, but doing, doing running jobs around town and popping in to see the companies and delivering things and sorting out post and, you know, delivering petty cash and all that stuff. But that did mean that I ended up chatting to all the company managers on all the shows and that's really kind of how I understood what or started to understand stage management as a career path um because the the one thing that frustrated me the most about uh working there was how actually far away I felt from the process of creating what was on stage you know never once did I sit in on a rehearsal or like meet any of the cast or meet any of the you know the the crew or or, or under see how the sausage was made um <laughs> like I never saw any of that and that I found so frustrating because I was so close and I had this really cool job but I just still didn't know what was going on uh and I still didn't see so many of the shows that we worked on um and I ended up chatting to a lot of the company managers uh, who were obviously at the top of their game um, and uh, speaking to people about, you know, what they did and it looked really cool. And I th- and it was just, it was another one of those situations where I looked at what somebody else was doing and thought, oh my God, that looks great. That looks really fun. Um, and it was actually one of the, one of the comp- company managers that I was chatting to was the first person that I voiced the I, the possibility of me pursuing that as a career, and I said, "And oh, no, that's crap." And it was the he was the first person that since I'd started working in commercial theatre nearly a year prior, who had asked me actually what I wanted to do, <laughs> um, like genuinely. And he said, "You know, I see you all the time. Like, tell, you know, we were having a chat, and said, so you know, are you sticking around? Like, what's?" you know, you've been here a while now and I thought you were just here part-time. And I went, yeah, me too. Uh, and he was like, well, you're here again. This is show number two or three that we've worked together on. Oh, yeah. So what is it that you want to do? And, and I said, well, Ashley, your job? <laughs> and he was, the reception that I received was so positive. Um, he said, oh my God, yeah, you'd be great. Like, oh, blah, yeah, like keep in touch. Like, let's, let's talk about it. Like, I want to help you out and and that was such a formative thing for me to hear someone go I don't really know you but I think you'd probably be quite good at this this seems like your kind of vibe that um that kind of gave me the confidence to to really look into it 
and I say look into it, I didn't really look very far, just decided uh, <laughs> rather on the spot that that was, okay, that's the next thing that I'm going to go into. God, this is, as soon as I start explaining it, this is all completely ridiculous, isn't it? I remember talking to you and I, I, I don't know what it was, but we, I just remember having a chat with you and you just being kind of like, yeah, I'm going to go and study stage management. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah. where's that come from? <laughs> yeah, well, that, it literally came from one conversation with Ben Delphont who said, yeah, that's, yeah, great, do it. And I went, okay. Uh, that's genuinely what happened. Because I think we sort of touched on this earlier that when you're a student, a lot of these job roles don't really mean anything to you. So mm. I feel like now might be quite a neat moment to just get what, so what does... Oh, beautifully orchestrated, Marcus. Uh, what does, well, for a start, a company stage manager do, but also just generally, what does stage management entail? So stage management is everything that is not performing or, uh, or producing. I find this a really, really difficult question to answer but, but, because it changes all the time. I did think it was a bit unfair, but... Oh. Um, I don't think I still really know. So in a traditional sense, in a very kind of traditional sense, you, a standard play, for example, might have, will, will have a stage management team uh, that normally comprises of an assistant stage manager or ASM, deputy stage manager or DSM, uh, and then a stage manager. And then quite often they will integrate that into being the company manager or sometimes, you know, there might be, that might be a job share and depending on the needs of the show, very important phrase in stage management, uh, those jobs will be distributed slightly differently. Um, so your job as a stage manager is to make the show happen, uh, is really the best way that I can put it. Um, and that will be everything from the kind of air traffic controller DSM to running the props, running the wings, running the stage. We're the people that make sure that everything is kept safe and consistent and is there so that when everybody else turns up to do their jobs, they just have the stuff there to do it. Is, is, does that make sense? Mm. Um, I, I think it's actually quite interesting to... that it's, it's difficult to describe because I often feel like, uh, certainly from my perspective as a director, stage management is the kind of it's the safety net that like catches everything that every anyone else might miss oh that's really nice to hear (laughs) thank you (laughs) that's a really lovely description um the other one that i've heard a lot um that i really enjoy is the communicative linchpin uh between departments um because it's totally unfair for your director to have to manage all of that on top of creating and directing Uh, and orchestrating that side so we do the rest of it we do it's it's sort of a bit like being a mum um (laughs) certainly company management so what I what when I explained this to my family none of whom work in theatre or have any experience of theatre um I was trying to kind of break down the different options for a stage management career uh, and this was at the time when I was looking quite seriously at company management, which is literally being team mum. You're the one that d- sorts out everybody's schedules and you're the one that makes sure everyone's getting paid properly and uh, you do all the kind of pastoral care stuff and you just like coordinate 
the people and the schedules and you do all of the kind of coordination which is completely different it's just a different job to being a dsm which like i say is the air traffic control they're the one that sits in the corner show after show uh in the wings watching what's going on coordinating all the rest of the technical teams to do the right things at the right time uh to keep everybody safe in the show looking like it should do mm-hmm. um and then your asm does something completely different again <laughs> you know they're running around in the wings uh, operating cues, whether they be stage cues, whether they be props things, you know, you might have to do it quick, you know, run on stage, do a quick change, bang some doors, pull some flies. Like it's so, it's such a variable job. And I find it very peculiar that they are all, or sometimes I find it odd that they're all part of the same job because they're definitely not. Um, I think that, I think the job titles are a bit misleading as well because assistant oh, stage manager and deputy stage manager makes it sound like they are somehow subordinate when it's just a different job. Absolutely. And and that's, I think, uh, one of my biggest gripes about about it. Um, and another one that I feel like, I feel the need to explain. Um, <laughs> yes, you yes you kind of start as, a, as an ASM. Some people, not good ASMs, uh, but excellent DSMs. Some people, excellent ASMs, crap DSMs. Like, you, there's such different skills and... Uh, is it very it very annoys me it annoys me that, it annoys me uh, it annoys me verily that there is sometimes a misconception about that because it's not the case um every single job has very different skills uh but i think the thing that genu- generally really you kind of unite stage managers um is a is you're right just eyes on everything trying to solve the problems before they exist um and and very silently and very quietly um doing your job so that everybody else can do their job that's basically mm. kind of what why we're there <laughs> yeah um, I think that's a really good description and i think i think a key to it is actually something you said earlier about wanting to be closer to the show it's yeah. almost like you're there's an element of that producery organizational quality to things Mm -hmm. but you actually want to be in the thick of it uh, with the performers with the with the creative team actually making sure that the show happens night to night absolutely um you know the adrenaline that you get as a performer is very similar to the adrenaline that you get as a dsm on the desk calling very exciting cues and you know as soon as you press a button or tell someone to go then you know that there's going to be a big bang and a puff of smoke and then lots of screams and applause. You, and, and like DSMing especially, there's a real... Um, you have to have such a, an understanding of the dramaturgy of the piece and the pace of the piece. Um, DSMing requires you to have a, a kind of dramaturgical bone in your body, um, else you won't be any good. And um, it's also worth noting, if anyone's listening, thinking... Oh, these. This sounds interesting. The DSM is normally in the rehearsal room, like the yes. whole time. Yes. So, so that's the other thing that I've is incredibly exciting about being being a DSM. It's DSMs are very different to I, I think the rest of the stage management team tend to have a bit more crossover, but DSMing is is an odd fish, um, and and quite quite often you'll have uh, the rest of the job roles. You have people that kind of switch between, but DSMs tend tend to as a general rule be career DSMs that's what they do um yeah so you sit in on the rehearsal room and you kind of you work really closely with the director and the assistant directors if they have one 
uh, taking blocking notes, keeping track of what, what's actually happening, um, tracking all your props, working out what needs to happen where and when so that you can communicate that to the rest of your team who cannot sit in on rehearsals all the time because they are sourcing said props or, you know, uh, like making things or doing, doing the other stuff that needs to happen in order to make the show exist. Um, so you're the eyes in the room, basically. Um, so you've got to be really hot on the note-taking, really hot on your timekeeping. Um, and, and then, yeah, and then you're the person that runs the tech um, alongside the director and then you go into uh, operating or calling the show um, so every night you that, that's your job you have a job in the wings um, which is uh, just a really awesome skill and I love watching a DSM it's very exciting but yeah air traffic controller is about the best the best way that I can describe it um, there's a really amazing video that I actually had to show my family because they didn't understand what I did um, on the Royal Opera House website of the DSM calling like some enormous opera. Um, and, you know, she's got like a thousand different departments. It's not a small scale. You've got lights and sound. You know, she's got lights, sound, flies, uh, automation. She's got other stage effects. Uh, she's calling ASM cues and she's also operating her own stuff and she's reading from a score. So actually there's a video on her uh, calling uh, and you also can watch the score along with it and see all her notes and understand how that process works and it's I'm just going to sound really sad but it's quite thrilling <laughs> it's really exciting to watch um, so anyone who's interested in DSMing or wants to know a little bit more about it that's definitely have a look on the Opera House website um, and, and that actually is one of those things that I didn't even know until I went to college like, until I went to do my drama school training, I did not know that a DSM existed. Well, I mean, uh, that's perfect, because I was just about to segue us onto, onto you going oh, to Royal Welsh. Oh, so good, so good. We're just in sync. So, so what, at what point did, did that lead to going, right, I need to go to drama school and get trained properly in this? Uh, so, I think that was a, my main sort of motive for going to drama school was that I'd... I sort of slightly felt like I was running out of time. By this point, I was, what, 24? Which, it turns out, is not old uh, at all. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'd done... I did, like, two years of of other stuff before... So I had a two-year gap before... After graduating from UCL before I went to drama school, and I had a little panic uh, because, you know the kids that came out of school at 18 and knew they wanted to do stage management, went and trained, and by my age were already, you know, deep into working. Uh, and I think I, by that point, I'd had enough experience of doing small-scale theatre and, you know, working for jobs and a bar job to know um, that it's not an easy route. And more than anything... I knew that I could feel that, that I just had a kind of instinct that it was a job that I wanted to do, but I didn't really know very much about it. Um, and it for me, it was an investment in time saving partly and meeting the right people and that being a stepping stone to actually getting work. Because it, like stage management, there's still, you don't have to train. It's such a broad set of very confusing skills and everybody comes at it with something different to bring to the table that you don't necessarily have to have training for but uh, 
forging those connections to put me in the right jobs for my skill set were really important and I and more than anything so much of it felt deeply mysterious to me um the kind of tech side especially like I continue to say I'm not a technician but lighting and sound felt so so alien to me that I thought well if I'm meant to be the person that is communicating between departments and trying to coordinate everybody's time so that it all fits together in a beautifully sort of like synchronized puzzle sort of way then I need to know what everybody actually needs and you can only do that by starting to do it or dipping a toe and going oh I see why you need six hours uh, with nobody else in the space and I see why you need xyz um and and being able to preempt the problems and taking the onus off of those people to make decisions is really important. Uh, or, or knowing what calls to make at what times when you have a conflict of interest. You, you do, I, I felt it really important. I gave myself a baseline understanding hmm. of, of what everybody did because up until this point, my entire experience had been based on me not really knowing what anybody did. Uh, until I got there and then it was too late so you know I'd I'd based my entire understanding of theatre on on, uh, the kind of university model that I'd experienced which turned out not to be right at all Um, so it was a kind of a way of yeah getting to grips with the industry as it really is Uh, and am I right in saying that the the course was not just stage management it was it's kind of broader than that yeah, so Royal Welsh do um, they do a master, they do a, so they do an undergraduate degree in stage management and technical theatre, which is roughly uh, wherever you go to do an undergraduate degree, it will normally be stage and tech. Um, the degree that I ended up doing was a master, so it's just the one year uh, in stage and event management. So less on the tech side, uh, you know. You know, you still have an intro to lighting. You still have, this is what you need to do to, you know, if you need to relight, but it doesn't go in-depth into design or programming or anything like that. But we also have an events management stream. Uh, So if you're looking at doing anything, we have festivals, live events, any of that kind of stuff. Um, They've got a huge amount of connections within the Welsh events industry, particularly. Then coming, moving forward towards the end of that course... Mm. how how were you feeling coming out uh, and was it a kind of sense of oh, okay right now now what do I do or did you feel like you had a you were on a path now a bit more um I wouldn't have said I was on a path because actually what happened when I went to college I thought oh yeah this will really start to streamline it and I went in going yeah I think I want to be a company manager but I just sort of want to get a get a lay, get the lay of the land and then I'll go and be a company manager on the west end like that's what I want to do uh, I think <laughs> Uh, and then it turned out that wasn't right at all. And uh, every single... <laughs> uh, and and it's so placement-based. Uh, you know, you go in and you, you work on shows at college, you do, actually don't do a huge amount of teaching. It's like 50-50. Uh, and every show that I did, they gave you a different role. So I did a, I worked as a technician at the college for a bit, which I didn't like so much. Uh, but I knew that already. That was just a do some tech kind of was how I felt about that and then I went and was a DSM on new writing which was all the things that I didn't think I wanted to do I didn't think I wanted to do new writing particularly 
and I loved it. I hadn't considered being a DSM because I thought it looked really scary and high pressure. And actually it turned out that I loved it. Uh, and we did a rep season that we took to London and I just thought, yeah, DSMing, new writing, this is what I want to do. Uh, and then I, my final placement, I, <laughs> I did a puppet show, a site-specific puppet show uh, for children uh, and I was stage managing and then I did that and I thought, yeah, this is what I want to do, this is great. <laughs> Every single lecture into it, I got, God, this is great. So actually it really muddied the waters. Um, but I, by that point I'd sort of thought maybe small scale stuff is more what I want to do, short run, new writing, like gritty, new theatre, yeah, that's what I want to make. Um, and And part of your part of the training you have to do an external placement um and I kind of wanted to work in town probably maybe but I wanted to work on new writing small scale something in that vein and I ended up getting a placement at the Donmar um which was just super cool again (laughs) and I thought yes what I do is great I love this scale um so I still don't think I have any idea what I actually want to do because I'm just really enthusiastic about everything I try (laughs) but that's that's Um, what's been great about this chat is it just comes across this just kind of boundless enthusiasm for just trying things yeah that's just born of like not quite knowing what I'm doing or what I what makes me the happiest um you know the the biggest thing for me about the job that I now have is the variety um, because I'm, I don't feel like I'm particularly a master of any specific trade. Uh, so it's nice that I can continue to try new things and learn from people who know what they're doing and, and give stuff a bash and see what happens. Um, but yeah, every, every preconception that I've ever had about any kind of work that I've ever tried to pursue has been not very good. <laughs> it's not been very accurate. So I've just given, I've just completely given up trying to make decisions before I've tried it. Um, any any preconceived idea I've ever had or plan that I've tried to make hasn't worked. Um, <laughs> so now I just throw caution to the wind and give it a go. And the great thing about it is that it's never more than a couple of months before it's over. So again, emotionally, the stakes are kind of low, like put up with it for a couple of months. And if you don't really like it, it's okay, do the next one. You figure it out afterwards. But as it's happened, I haven't found anything that I have really hated yet. It's incredibly fortunate. <laughs> so if, um, sort of looking back on things, uh, from, from your place of enlightened wisdom <laughs> uh, that you've just described, if, um, you know, if, if you were talking to a, a student who's at university and listening to this and going okay, this sort of sounds interesting. I can sort of relate to that sense of not quite... Either they relate to the sense of not quite knowing where I fit Mm. or they relate to... Or they're listening and going, actually, this sounds like a job that might suit me. What would you say to them? Any any bits of advice or just things you'd throw their way? I mean, I continue to be a huge advocate of giving stuff a go. Um, Part of how I've ended up doing what I do now, which seems to have stuck a little bit more than anything else ever has, um, and seem to have, seems to have a bit more of a future, is is just born of... Yeah, I had to give stuff a go to work out if the slipper fits. Like, you have to try on the clothes before you buy them. Um, and say yes to everything. Uh, 
because you don't know where it might lead to. All of these things that have ended up being the bread and butter of my career are all things that I didn't think I wanted to do or didn't know about. Um, and so you'll never stop learning. So just keep, just, just say yes. It's <laughs> really all I can do. Yeah. Um, and don't worry about it. You know, there was a point in my life where I was, I was working multiple bar jobs and other stuff and just just to try and give stuff a bash because I thought, actually, I want to try producing. I want to try doing a bit of education stuff at Cyphers. And, I, you know, if, if that means I have to work a bar job three nights a week, like, fine, just give it mm. a go. Um, and you'll, I think, instinctively you work out who your people are and what what you bring to the table uh in the team is that i don't know i i don't think i have a huge amount of advice other than just be nice and be enthusiastic and try stuff not everything will work and that's totally okay it's a funny world like don't expect it to go how how you think it's going to go but that's totally fine just don't make any decisions until you've tried it because they will probably be wrong (laughs) it's kind of the weirdest backwards advice i can give anyone (laughs) so there we go don't try anything just like try everything you probably get it wrong try everything Uh, once give it a go and with that i think we should say thank you hannah (laughs) thanks thank you so much for having me Uh, it's been a pleasure thanks guys Well, that was great. I thought that was a really fantastic and fresh perspective on everything. And uh, what was your what was your key takeaway, Will? I think my key takeaway was the idea of giving everything a go. Um, I think a few people we've spoken to so far have you know done a bit of that at university, not quite on the scale that that Hannah did, um, but certainly what she's done is taken that forwards into what she's doing now in in the real world as it were and I've found that idea that you know you can still do that quite a refreshing thing of you know just keep giving it a try and say yes to lots of things but don't feel that then that's committing you to doing it for a life sentence how about you I think it's another sort of recurring theme I think from these podcasts of a lot of people feel like they're running out of time and mm-hmm. they feel pressured into getting on with things, getting and getting going. And actually then as soon as you're there realizing, oh, actually I'm re- still relatively young and I've got time. So uh, that was another thing that came up. And I think it's worth reiterating because it, it does, it's something we all feel repeatedly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go. That was our chat with, with Hannah. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you did do, please subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you like to listen to your podcast on. And if you've got any questions, do send them our way via Twitter at CyphersUK. If you use the hashtag CyphersCreate, we'll get back to you and maybe include your question in a future podcast. But until next time, take care and it's goodbye from me. And me too. Bye. Bye.